Hello, and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. It's been a pretty heavy week for all of us here, but we're going to talk about Star Trek. We're going to talk about positivity and war. Um. <laughs> um, uh, what? <laughs> and I killed Peter. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Great sentence. Positivity and... We're going to talk about positivity and war. It's like, um... I don't know how those two things go together, <laughs> but sure, well, yes. I mean, Star we'll Trek's a positive that. show, but this this show is famous for its dark side, so <laughs> it's two pretty dark episodes, but we're going to have fun. With me today, coming from a very, very rained out Houston, is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? <laughs> uh, yeah, we are super rained out here. Uh, Hurricane Harvey is hitting us hard, and it's not fun. Uh, I'm holed up at my friend's place right now, but thankfully... Um, I am safe and dry and with power. All of my family who I've been able to check up on, they are safe and dry and with power. And for everyone who is, do like I'm hoping that they're doing what they can to help out those who are not because it's some crazy shit down here. Like I I'm hoping I'm hoping that by the time this episode is posted, like maybe not everything will be back to normal because at this point that's an impossibility, but that we can get as close to good as we can yeah. possibly get after this shit so totally and we also have a much more dry sarah becker how are you sarah i'm pretty good mostly much more dry um of, of course nowhere absolutely nowhere near the scale as houston is getting right now and our, our thoughts and prayers go with you of course to everyone living in houston um but i will say that on sunday afternoon i was supposed to go to a um baby sex reveal party apparently this is not as common a thing as i thought it was but at the party the parents knew what the sex of the baby is going to be and there was this whole little event where they were going to reveal to all of their friends if the baby was going to be born a boy or a girl and you know very sweet whatever we were going to have it outside but uh, my girlfriend and i got there to help them set up and within probably five minutes certainly no more than 10 minutes of us being there it just starts pissing down rain <laughs> and so we're all ah. huddled under the one tent that we have managed to get set up and we're like so we're taking this to the bar yep okay so then we all had to you know very you know carefully but quickly carry the cupcakes and the sandwiches and all of this food oh. that we had already gotten ready and of course, by the time we got to the bar, it had stopped raining. But it was, you know, we are we are feeling the the very very outermost edges of Harvey up here. Or we were a couple of days ago. That said, today it's sunny and eighty eight degrees. So I yeah, I'm, I'm hoping talk. we get some sun. I'm hoping we get some sun, but some sun by like tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, it's Tuesday, by the way, dear listener. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. So we're still in the middle of it. So I'll just quickly say, uh, if you want to donate, please text Harvey, H-A-R-V-E-Y, to 90999. So that's 191039. And then I'll just take 10 bucks directly at your phone uh, to help the American Red Cross, because uh, they're going to need it. And uh, if you can volunteer in any way that you can, it would be awesome, because it's my hometown. It makes me sad. Uh, but let's move on to more depressing <laughs> fictional things. Hopefully, by the time this is released, they won't need that as much. But it's still hopefully useful. it will still be helpful. It's still useful, and the American Red Cross always always can use your help. Uh, yeah. So yeah. 
unfortunately we always just donate during uh, disasters but yeah, that's how that works so that's when they need it the most all right let's talk about star trek this week we watch season five episode 13 and episode 14 which is for the uniform and in purgatory shadow so first up is for the uniform Cisco is continuing to search for the mysterious, balding, dastardly villain, Michael Eddington, tracking down a supposed informant, only to discover it was Eddington himself who arranged the meeting. He urges Cisco to look at the face of the refugees of the worlds given over to the Cardassians, but Cisco replies that all of them could have new homes provided them for. But Cisco replies that they could all have new homes provided for them by Starfleet. Eddington states that what he. Okay. Eddington states that all they want is what's theirs by right, and for Sisko to leave him alone. He transports away, and Sisko pursues him in the Defiant. However, when it looks like they cornered him, Eddington triggers a cascade virus he implemented in the Defiant, which shuts them down. Eddington notes he could easily kill Sisko here, but he lets him go, in hopes that Sisko will do the same. Back on DS9, they discover more viruses implanted by Eddington, and even worse, he has now captured freighters full of seemingly benign chemicals for some reason. Sisko is then informed by Captain Sanders that he will be taking over the mission to hunt Eddington, as Sisko hasn't gotten results, and he needs to focus his efforts on defending DS9. Sisko accepts this, but is furious and clearly wants to get Eddington at all costs. Kira informs him that the Maquis have just hit a Cardassian colony with a devastating biogenic weapon, one that could only be made by the stolen materials and only targets Cardassians. It's clear the Marquis' final plan is to poison every planet in the demilitarized zone and reclaim them. Despite the Defiant being still crippled from the attack, Sisko notes they are still the closest to stop the attacks. Everyone is on board, including Nog, who is responsible for laying messages as the comm system is down. They track down where they think Eddington is, but it turns out to be a ruse, and a recorded message from Eddington tells him that Sisko reminds him of Inspector Javert from Les Miserables. Sisko tracks Eddington to the next target, but arrives too late. Eddington disables a Cardassian escape vehicle that is plummeting towards doom, forcing Sisko to save the innocents rather than chase Eddington. While thinking over Eddington's comparisons to Les Mis, Sisko decides to become the villain, and he threatens to launch a biogenic weapon harmful to humans, but not Cardassians, at a Maquis planet. Eddington claims Sisko is bluffing, but to the surprise of the crew, Sisko actually fires on the planet. Sisko notes that Eddington crossed the line first, and his response was justified. Eddington gives in, and surrenders himself and the weapons. Eddington is turned over to Odo, and Dax notes that Sisko never cleared the attack with Starfleet, to which Sisko responds, Tomorrow we'll discover what our God in Heaven has in store. One more dawn. One more day. <laughs> One day. day. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think of For the Uniform? Oh, man. I this... love that you you had that a uh, deep cut to the song <laughs> at the end of the <laughs> Les Mis is my all time favorite musical. So when they started referencing it's pretty it, wonderful. I, had to, I know they're talking about the novel and blah blah blah. Of but course, I had to. This was the last place that uh, that that I expected to hear Les Mis referenced. Even though on the whole, I should not be surprised that you know, that you know like. Because because Star Trek likes to reference a bunch of shit from lit from religion to philosophy to 
to mythology, to whatever, to literature, blah, 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 poetry. So I should not be surprised, but I was just like, oh, that's Eddington's motivation. That's why he's being such a dick, but he's like so calm and theatric about it because it's like, I am Jean Valjean. It was like, okay, cool. We get it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I think particularly since, um, Two of the most famous Star Trek, two of the best Star Trek movies, I would say, uh, Wrath of Khan and First Contact, both heavily reference Moby Dick. I think they were like, we can't do Moby Dick again. <laughs> so let's do yeah. Les Mis, which we I need think something is a, new, please. Which I think is an interesting one, yeah, because it's a similar idea, though. Certainly, Eddington is not a. Uh, what I like is that, and what makes um, I think Deep Space Nine interesting is that uh, Cisco is not Javert and Eddington is not uh, Jean Valjean. Like, uh, Eddington actually like almost killed Cardassians and like yeah. attacks people, and Cisco like is more honorable than Valjean, though he did cross a pretty hard line, which I like. You know, it's not it's not as black and white as that novel, which is still a great novel. But uh, right. anyways, yeah. what did you think, Sarah? I really liked it. I um, very often in Star Trek, most of the episodes aren't. Or don't have this overall tone of a moral gray area. It's usually like, you know, deep space, or the people on the station are the good guys and the Cardassians are the bad guys or, you know, whoever the antagonist of the week is. Deep Space Nine has been better about giving us more moral gray episodes and they continue to do so in this one because especially with Cisco actually firing a weapon on that planet I was like oh man yeah. okay yeah. someone's someone's taking this too far now yeah, they, one of my notes is who's crazier at this point yeah yeah it's 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 true and it's what uh, why I think Wrath of Khan and, and First Contact are memorable it's fun to watch your, your captains push to the brink beyond being the honorable always smart always on top you know captains when they meet their match it always brings out their interesting side you know mm-hmm. and it brings out that cisco's willing to bomb a bunch of planets uh poison a bunch of planets uh to basically do what eddington is doing in the search for good you know quote unquote um because both sides have a point that's what's always makes star trek interesting is yes. that uh, the Maquis have a fair reason to say, hey, these were our lands, we settled them, you shouldn't just kick us out. Right. And the and then the Starfleet has a good point. We're like, well, we stopped a war by giving these people this, and like millions more will die if you take this back and the war starts over again. So think of the larger, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, and that's what I think makes this episode interesting is that drive to catch Eddington at all costs even though you're in a broken ship and that's where the Ahab stuff comes down where like you know the ship is sinking and he still has to get that goddamn whale (laughs) (laughs) yeah I do also have alrighty Ahab as another note (laughs) (laughs) I just had to note though that it's kind of funny that like uh, uh, Kirk had Khan the super soldier who conquered most of the world in the 20th century and uh Picard had the Borg Queen, the the leader of this advanced race that assimilates everything in its sight, and Cisco has a balding guy who kind of lied to him. Kind of <laughs> lied to him, and probably has written at least twenty pieces of fan fiction based on Les Mis that includes him right, somehow. Exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's just like Cisco, dude. I am so sorry. <laughs> and that doesn't also doesn't necessarily make Edith not an interesting character. You no, know? it doesn't. Mm. 
it's just funny that it's just more grounded in comparison to the other the other two. <laughs> and it did sort of seem in this particular episode, like I don't deny that Eddington and Cisco have a history, but this degree of vitriol <laughs> between them seemed a little bit sudden to me. I yeah, guess it's like all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, um, Cisco was you know doing the Javert thing, obsessed with, like, I must catch this one person. And we're like, since when? Yeah, it's like, how many episodes has Eddington actually been in on the whole? Not that many, you know, at at least with us being in the middle of season five. Mm -hmm. Like, not that many episodes has this man been in. You shouldn't be that hung up on this one dude. Yeah, that's an example where there's... Sorry, go on. Well, like, I get, you know, wanting to stop the McKee because, you know, they, they... generally do terrorist things and that's right. not good and and they you know need to be calmed down but you know eddington specifically very yeah. specifically i need him this is although there's some good acting for like, like, books in this episode there was uh, well, we'll talk about that later this is the one the a few episodes where like i would like to read a star trek novel that fills in those plot holes you know those those moments because it yes. is sort of like the classic the issue that we're coming up at DS9 is that um, it, it was just in the very early days of serialized television, um, which is, just to be clear, serialized television is more what we think of like with Game of Thrones, where every episode is telling a larger story. There's not sort of one episode, one threat, one thing you deal with. And obviously Star Trek was very episodic, and this was the first show that had like the Dominion and the Klingon War and like these huge, larger political stakes. And I think something we've come up with a lot in this show is that that's great, but it's also that start. It's the Star Trek problem. They're not there yet, which is what will make me very interesting about. Um, uh, it'll probably be out by the time this episode comes out. But um, um, the new show Discovery, which is all serialized, and how right. Star Trek in this new mode that's ha- now shown how shows do this. But it's very clear this is one of the early shows that was trying it, and mm-hmm. so because of that, you have stuff like this where he's like, "I've been tracking Eddington for nine months." So you're like, when you're not on screen, <laughs> like every time he's yeah. not on screen and not doing other episode stuff, you're like, he's like. That Eddington, <laughs> like he's in his room somewhere. Like I will find him. Um, and and I agree, Sarah. It might have just been good to have one episode with Eddington, and this might have been the serialized thing. They they might have had a couple more things of like him trying to catch Eddington, him fucking him over, and him not catching him at the end, and like it would have led to this episode. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or or, or even or even uh, I I I can't quite remember off the top off the top of my head right now. But 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 even uh, when Eddington wasn't on screen, like if if there have been any episodes uh, between Eddington's betrayal and 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 uh, and for and for the uniform. Um, if the Maquis were at all mentioned anywhere in the episode, just even just name drop him and have him, and have him be like one of the people in charge was Eddington have, and, 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 right, and, right. and then give Cisco his caught moment, you know. <laughs> Eddington! <laughs> Eddington! It, it doesn't okay, have the great. same ring to it. It really doesn't. Right, Eddington and, sounds like um, one of my favorite sketches from the Mitchell and Webb look is this sketch <laughs> called, called Hennymore. It's just a basic, it's like a parody of terrible sitcoms. Basically, it's like a an obvious setup where it's like now anymore this pile is a pile of dangerous weapons that you can't let out of your sight and this pile that looks exactly similar is <laughs> messages from my grandmother and then like and then of course it'll cut to and then everyone has weapons they're all dying he's like anymore that's what eddington sounds like he sounds like mm-hmm. a character that a person would yell at in the op party so go yay yeah and, and they can't even use his first name he, like, i can't i i, I can I am less likely to imagine Cisco being like Michael. It's like no, that... 
<laughs> that sounds like, you know, Jake's non-existent brother has gotten in trouble and, you know, Cisco's calling him out on his shenanigans. Michael! <laughs> Just real quick, um, what do you think of this new thing that comes up in the other episodes later? Uh, the hollow communicator, which is... I think it's cool. It's so awesome. Oh, I'm, it's interesting. You guys really like it. I don't like it as much. Yeah. I like that they have a person in the 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 uh, thing, but I guess they want an effect or something. It's just so yeah. clear that there's a guy on set, but it is interesting that you can now, like, basically what it is is like a full holographic thing where a guy, like, when he's talking to Eddington, Eddington is quote unquote on the bridge, even though right. he's on mm-hmm. another thing, which is clearly why they came up with the idea. Yeah, like it. It actually reminded me um, of the. What year was that? I believe the 2008 elections when when uh when C, when C, oh, when, when CNN yeah, yeah when CNN tried out their whole like their whole hologram thing when when they when they were showing when they were showing like you know like you know if this if this states do this if this states do that uh, this all the Senate will change blah 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 and then and, and then and then kind of correlating exactly correlating with this hollow communicator um I they I don't know why they chose this man to be the first person at least to my knowledge the first person to to be like we're gonna put your whole body. In the studio, but not actually in the studio. Will I am of all people? I'm just like what? Right, I remember that. <laughs> like, yeah. So it, it reminded it reminded me of that, and 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 also just like how you see like how like how in pop culture, how how you see it, at least in more at least today like more video games that are, that are like more sci-fi based. You 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 now you now see like you now see like where, where the person where a person walking this room where it's like. This is basically a hollow communicator, and they are talking to someone right. who is light years away. But you know, they're that makes that raises an interesting question, which is, um, do we want like the Star Trek thing where it's very clearly a hologram? Because like in Star Trek, and recently I was playing Horizon Zero Dawn, like it's like they're see through and they're yeah. purple. <laughs> they don't look like humans necessarily. They look like projections of humans. But if we had that capacity, it seems possible that you could actually make a real human. But would that just be so creepy to think that there's it like would a- be creepy? And here's the thing. I think people of our generation who are experiencing this technology as it develops and like it probably will happen in our lifetime. But we also remember a time when it wasn't a thing. We'll right. find it creepy. But I think future generations who will inevitably utilize it more will be like oh yeah no we want it to be as realistic as possible just because right. that's the next step but yeah i agree i think it would be better if it still looked like you know like silence in horizon zero dawn like you mentioned yeah. where it's like you're definitely a person and you have you know distinct facial features that make you you and i can see what you're wearing but you're still you know blue and pixelated and yeah, yeah you know, very obviously not actually here right there, i guess it's the thing is like it, Certainly, Star Trek's probably advanced enough to have a full person on the set, but it's like it's just a dude, you know. What I mean, so it's like, and so maybe that's that's interesting. Hmm. That just might be my own like. Uh, I find it would be find it too creepy to be like, here's my mom, like right in my room, but it's clearly not. But her, not you know? really. Yeah. And I think I think that could very quickly turn into like a you know to keep referencing other media into a black mirror episode where you know somebody gets or two people like start using the holo communicator so much that they like forget that they're not actually in the place where they are if the graphics are good enough that it's like oh it legit looks like you're here and then suddenly you know it breaks down and they're not there anymore and they're both very sad or you know right they, they do that for like a counseling session or something the counselor goes away and the person goes off the rails i don't know 
Right. We'll see you in the new season of Black Mirror. <laughs> yes, it's very possible. <clears throat> well, Sarah, you mentioned um, how good Avery Brooks's acting was, and I particularly uh, enjoyed this scene he had with Dax where he's um, hitting a punching bag. Um, and when, do you remember the scene? I remember the scene you're talking about. I don't remember the scene that made me make that note. Interesting. That one in particular is really interesting to me just because uh, it was just really interesting to see him show like rage, you know, like yeah. full on yeah. rage into that. And I think boxing is often a good uh, metaphor for that in, in uh, science fiction. There's an ep- episode of Battlestar Galactica that's just everybody punching each other who have like <laughs> issues with each other. And it's kind oh of goodness. amazing. Like they all have like this giant boxing match and it's kind of ridiculous, but it's for like everyone to get out their aggressions with each other. And it's kind of great. Interesting. Um, I'm sure it would be very boxing, cathartic. Yeah, right? uh, boxing. I don't love watching boxing, but like, there's something very cathartic about it on film. I find. Mm-hmm. So then you weren't watching the McGregor uh, Mayweather not. bout the other night. I was not. I looked at the important gifts, but that's it, man. Honestly, same. I didn't. I didn't watch any of it because I was too because I was too it's busy like, watching just, Netflix and Hulu. You just gotta watch the last like final round and the guy who did cocaine on air, and that's it. Wait, <laughs> that's what? Like, God. That was a yeah, thing. The guy, there was a guy, and they cut to him, and he's like a manager or something. And they cut to him, and very clearly, just did coke. He's like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> "That's crazy." <laughs> I, I now need to find that. Oh, yeah. wrestling. Uh, oh, oh. Was well, there anything else to say for um for the uniform? I do have one one more note that doesn't have anything to do with the overall plot, but my note is, God bless Nog. <laughs> right? I don't remember exactly what he was doing, but he was he was doing something well, was, very useful. He was, uh, he had to be the comms person, so like, yes. he had to like, hear all the stuff people were saying and filter it and then be able to relay the messages in a way that made sense. Yeah, Cisco, That's right. I wasn't Cisco sure if was, that was this episode or the next episode, but yes, yes. yes Cisco was like, uh, "I'm gonna need someone who can, who I know for sure will hear me." And and Nog was like, "What the hell, sir?" He's like, "There may be explosions. Gonna need someone who yeah. can communicate anything I need to say to the rest of the crew." And Nog was like, "I gotcha." And it was also too because he was he was honest as Nog. Like, this is dangerous. We're going into more stuff in Nog. Yeah, like, that had too. A little bit hesitancy, but then he's like, "All right, let's do it." This is what I trained for. Yeah, so Nog's made a good start for the officer. I'm so proud. Yay! Yay! He's my baby. Our nephew. (laughs) Let's talk about Season 5, Episode 14, which is In Purgatory's Shadow. These lofty titles, I love them. DS9 receives a coded Cardassian message, and Garrick is requested to decode it. He brushes it off as a rogue message, but sneaks aboard a runabout, only to be met by Dr. Bashir. And he reveals it's actually a distressed tall from Inabrin Tane, who seems to have survived the Dominion surprise attack. He tells Sisko that only he and Tane knew the coded message, and it's a direct message to Garrick to come save Tane. Sisko agrees to let Garrick investigate, but only if he brings Worf with him. Meanwhile, Zial expresses intense feelings for Garrick, but does not seem but Garrick does not seem to give the uh, give reciprocate that doesn't make any sense ben what all right (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile zial expresses intense feelings for garrick but he does not reciprocate them but she still tells him to come back and when ducat hears of this he of course threatens his life because ducat win them all i tried it made more sense in my head you can't win them all i tried it made sense in my head it made sense in my head 
All right. I tried, Sarah. You're better at the puns than I am. <laughs> you did I, try, A, I, for effort. I, 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 I relent that you're the pun queen. Yay. All right. The duo come close to the source of the message, but are quickly captured. Meanwhile, on DS9, the crew receive distress calls that threaten a possible imminent attack heading their way. Garrick and Worf are brought to an internment camp where they are expected to live out the rest of their days until they die. They soon meet their cellmates, including the real General Martok, who was captured before being replaced by a shapeshifter, and a dying in Nabrantain. On DS9, Sisko recognizes the issues as Starfleet and their allies are spread too thin to possibly mount a good defense. So instead, they must try to close the wormhole without harming the prophets, much to the anger of Kira. Meanwhile, at the prison camp, a surprise visitor appears, Dr. Bashir, who had been captured and replaced many months ago by a changeling. <laughs> Suddenly, Anabratane begins to die. Garrick assures him... His enemies are all gone, and he needs to not acknowledge one thing before he goes. That Garrick is his son! <laughs> Tane does so and says he's proud of Garrick before dying. With that, he tells the rest that it's time for them to escape. On DS9, Garrick seems intent on getting Zial out of DS9 for some reason, but she decides to stay, and he tells her to die on the station if that's her intent. The crew attempts to close the wormhole, only to find it's been sabotaged, and the wormhole is kept open for an entire fleet of Jem'Hadar ships to rush through. What did you guys think of In Purgatory's Shadow? First off, uh, I'm impressed by the air horns because I, because yes. I saw because I saw that and I thought you were just gonna read like at the, at the at the end of the synopsis. I saw that and I thought you were just gonna read it, uh, and I was gonna make like <laughs> some air horns myself, like with my mouth, you know. But you had an app ready. And I was like, okay, I had an you know, app for it. You were ready to go. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm feeling silly today. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yes, yeah, so this is actually a pretty serious episode for us, silly. I'm I'm being. Uh, what do you guys think of In Purgatory Shadow? Oh well, I remember God. we had um, because this is if you've you know been watching along with us, and you'll know that this is very clearly a part one of two. And uh, the three of us had been discussing, you know, well, you know, how do we want to divide this up? Do we want to stop and record and then, you know, yeah, we, watch we, part two after this is over? We knew it was a part one and two before we watched it. To be yes. Clear. Yeah. Right. And then when I, I don't know about you guys, but when I got to the end of this episode, I immediately was like, I have to watch part two right now. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty much impossible. So, so <laughs> all of that to, to say, it, it was that good that I could not restrain myself, you know, from the, 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 the to be continued. I'm like, nope, nope, we're we're doing this shit right now. It's like to be continued. You mean in the next thirty seconds? Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean this. The reason I put in the air horns, this shit had a lot of reveals. My oh god. my god! No, when 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 it was re- when it was revealed that oh the Bashir we've known the the Bashir that we have known for honestly at this point because they don't often say the star date. They however many episodes has been a changeling. I like yeah. pa- straight up paused the episode and was like, uh, what is going on? Like I yeah, paused because they... the episode and walked away for a second. They do this clever thing where they change the uniforms a couple episodes ago. Yeah. And uh, Bashir is in the old uniform. So we know that, like, oh. the, anytime you see Bashir in the new uniform, it's changeling Bashir, which includes a time that he uh, did surgery on Cisco and removed the visions of the prophets from his head. 
Oh no, dude. Yeah, so it's fucked up. Clever girl. <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's fuck ton to, to talk about. I don't know where to start. Yeah, because I because I don't want to say anything that will lead into, that will lead into the next episode because it's like we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Overall, just it's <clears throat> it's awesome when DS9 does this. You know, it's awesome when this is it all pays off. Like I said, we have so many people that come back, you know, like I love that they brought back General Martok, that he's still alive. I think that's great because I like that actor and I think he was very fun in his changeling role. So I'm glad that we'll hopefully see more of him in the future. Agreed. Um, and uh, Nobber Tain showed up and I would like to say I called it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> yes, cool. you called it. Yes. Uh, Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bragging over. Um, <laughs> so... I'm sure everyone would be like, you know, it's hard to brag for something show that's been on for 20 years. I promise I didn't look it up. I promise. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's just, uh, God, I don't know where to start. Where should we start? How about we start with Garrick and Indabra and Tain? What did you think of their, their relationship and the reveal of father and son? Oh, it was sad. That's got to be some stressful shit to like go through most of your life with a man who will not even, who will not even admit that he's your dad, but like... Is basically, but it, but in the meantime, is still trying to like build you into like the perfect weapon, perfect assass- a perfect assassin, blah blah blah, whatever. Like that's some that's some stressful shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some stressful shit. You said it well. Yeah, this is a great sequence, and I like the whole thing where like he's Tane is like gone blind from his illness, and he thinks he's alone. But of course, he's in the middle of a camp, and Bashir's sort of watching on. And but there's still like this. Everyone lets him have their sort of intimate moment. Um, yeah, it's sort of interesting just to, to for Garrett, poor Garrick to go all this way and get captured only to watch his father die. But at least he got some some solace out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a note of, um, you know, after he finally, you know, gets Tane to admit that, you know, to acknowledge him as his son, I guess. Um, he's, you know, Tane is talking about some event. I don't remember exactly what happened, but when Garrick was a little boy and... Um, you know, Tane says something to the effect of, I was very proud of you that day. Garrett got daddy's approval. Aww. Aww. And then he died. <laughs> no. Classic television fashion. Indeed. <laughs> the only way to do it. Right? Thank God our lives aren't like television. I think I think sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but all of our emotional moments would just come right before we died, and we'd be like, here's everything I lied to you about. Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, one time my mom asked me why I you know, often watch such dark things like, I don't know, American Gods or American Horror Story and things like that. I'm like, because it reminds me that real life is better than fiction. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> Like bad shit true. happens, but at least it's not this bad. But it's not usually this. to me personally. Yeah, not this bad. No. Yeah, I remember I was listening to a podcast recently, and they're like, "I think people like watching Game of Thrones because it's better than real life right now." I'm like, "Okay, real life sucks right now. But come on, like, there's no ice dragons. Like, let's, let's yes, calm down. yeah." Ooh, that was a spoiler. Mm. I'm going to bleep that. <laughs> ben of future, bleep what I just said. All right. Now, granted, um, when this podcast comes out, surely everyone will know. No, but. 
I know, but people are very spoilerphobic, and I want to be kind to them. So yeah, okay. you know. that's, that's fair. Um, but there aren't those things, and there aren't other bad things that are in Game of Thrones. Like, just say dragons in know. general. Just, just exactly. dra- dragons in general. Exactly. There, there are no white beep walkers. Dragons. There, are, there are no white walkers. There, there are, there are, no, there are no Cersei. Well, okay, actually, there are Cerseis in the world, so I can't. Really Best say believe that. there are Cerseis in, Cerseis in the world. Yeah. So well, I think that's why we hate the, um, the, uh, the, the Dolores Umbridges. You know what I mean? Because like, like they remind yeah. us of yeah. real people. You know. Like, That's why she was so scary. Is there are actually people like this? There are actually teachers yeah. who are like that. That's exactly. Just... I think that's why it hit everybody. Is we all had a teacher who didn't believe us and was out to kind of get us, or or we knew one that were kind of like that, you know. And so yeah. I think we could all be like that, but times a million. You're like, mm, <laughs> Dolores. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes. Speaking of, uh, we, we'll talk more about it because there's more reveals next week. But what you kind of think, at least in this episode, if we put your mind at it. Uh, Zial and and Garrick's and Dukat whole situation. I liked seeing that 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 uh, since we like first got the hint at it and like since they like actually started talking, uh, just to be like we are the only Cardassians on this base station. Let's like we can't avoid each other. I I did I did like seeing that 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 their that their relationship had like legitimately developed to the point that it's like they both care about each other and Zial was like and, Z- and Zial did the whole thing of like don't die on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> except that whole you know me. talking about you know my feelings for you i'm still like he's as old as your dad this is not appropriate yeah that too that yeah, actually, yeah. yeah i'm not gonna lie yeah that so like me. i get why they should have a platonic relationship or perhaps you know even to go so far as familial relationship like right. garrick being a father figure for her that's fine because gold Ducat isn't always around but it's i mean a little uncomfortable yeah which is probably not fair and a lot of you know people who quite possibly rightly so are like well age is just a number and you know i'm I'm being ageist and that's not fair and indeed they're you know my own parents at 18 years between them but i think it's because zial is still kind of young that it's weird yeah, like she's once she like... reaches a certain point it's okay she's just not there yet right because I was very as teenager, which is the part that like, is or weird like, to me, yeah, like older know? teenager, like seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, if I read it more, it's like late twenties. I think I'd then I'd be like, like okay, yeah. you know, totally. like a Dax, Dax age or Kira age, yeah, you know, right, sure, yeah. But in uh, yeah, I think we'll have a lot more to talk about with Garrett with uh, Ducat next episode, so we'll save, mm-hmm. we'll save all that. Yeah, yeah. I will, I, I will say without getting to the next episode, uh, Garrick being hella suspect not garrick uh ducat being hella suspect being like you need to get off the space station it's like why are you and it's like you're not you're just like I, I when when you say you know i don't want you to be here for like when when shit goes down it's like you seem to be hiding something sir and that was something i thought before i even watched uh before i even watched the next episode i was just like you're being like a like just a little too insistent about it and like now and like now wishing her death for like staying so that she, for her first thing until Dukat gets back, it's like you're being a little, a little too rushed, and now way too antagonistic to to her decision. Yeah, it's weird. I definitely agree. I definitely mm-hmm. agree. 
But speaking of relationship that, that I don't approve of, even before we got to uh, Garak and Zial, we had a Dax and Worf scene. And I think my first note for this show is, nope, Dax and Worf is still weird. That one Aww. episode just ruined, ruined it for everything. me. Like I wish they should have devoted that episode to developing Cisco's hatred of Eddington instead of yeah, yeah, what they actually did. <laughs> and I would still ship Dax and Worf, and I would understand why Cisco went Javert on Eddington's ass, and it would just be <laughs> make, be much better for the show. Do you think there'll be anything that will re- restore your shipping? I don't know. Worf would have to do something pretty goddamn spectacular. It's going to take him admitting that he, that that he is a semi or even full like low key or even high key manipulative overprotective ass. Yeah, mm. and like, that won't happen just because this that. is a television show from the 1990s. Oh my god. Yeah, right. and I I can't admit I have to admit that also I feel like uh Dax is like like clingyish to him, you know, like like in a in a weird way to me that I don't love either, you know. The way she ra- reacts around Worf is kind of weird, like cuz he's still such a wall, you know what I mean? And so she mm-hmm. just yeah. gives like uh, so much and it's like, "Come on, girl. Like, you can devote that to Lenarcon. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Yes. We have two things in a row. That's the problem. Um yeah. Do you think if that episode hadn't happened that you'd still be all right with it? Probably. More um, okay for sure. More okay than I than I am with it now, definitely. There were just so many in that particular episode, there were so many blatant instances of emotional ma- manipulation and not like physical abuse, but he was just being so incredibly controlling and guilt tripping and everything else. And he does, you know, smaller things like that throughout the show, I guess, but it's more easily, you know, easy to attribute that as just like a Klingon thing. But this seems like a very wharf thing at this yeah. point. Yeah. When you, when you get, when you get an episode that essentially devotes an entire episode to that, and and you and you have and you have his love interest, you know, blatantly point that out. It's like, it's like most, it's like it's like most Klingons are this way. You are just being a dick, and then it's like, okay, now now we know it's problematic. Yeah. Right. Right. That's true. That's true. But we already <laughs> did a review on that episode. Yeah. So yeah. On. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, I told my mom as she's you know stuck uh, in Houston as well. So TV is a lot of stuff right now. So I was like. If you do start watching Deep Space Nine, just tell me, and I will tell you this one episode. Just don't watch it, please. Yeah. <laughs> ruin, ruin things. But unfortunately, we are not that show. We have to talk about them all, the show and all of its good and highs. And this is a pretty good high, I think. So, uh, is there anything else to say for this episode? Um, I, I wanted to make a quick comment about uh, the makeup at um in the internment camp, the uh-huh. Jem Hadar makeup. They have this um, this like. Well, the piece itself doesn't move, but it's the tubing that the white goes yeah. through. Yeah. And there's like actual white liquid in there that's being, yeah. it looks like it's being pumped into their system. And I thought that was just a really good makeup piece. I watched the TV show Face Off a lot. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I'm starting to notice more makeup stuff, especially because Michael Westmore, who did the makeup for, to my knowledge, or at least on some degree was involved with the makeup in all Star Trek television Star Trek, series. TNG through Voyager. He was like gotcha, gotcha. That whole run. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, but uh, he is he, he his daughter is the host of Face Off, and he is also involved with Face Off. Like he'll show up every episode and um, like give the contestants tips on their like starting makeups for that episode. Yeah, and it's really cool because I just see him like occasional he occasionally he'll mention like the Ferengi or, you know, some, you know, Star Trek reference. And I'm just like, (laughs) it's great too. Cause I watched that show from the beginning and like, he wasn't on in the first couple seasons. And then, um, he just showed up one day and I guess maybe like, it's like to help out. And like, uh, as like a special guest judge. And she's like, this is my, this is also my dad. And I was like, what? And then like, I guess he must've loved being on that show. Like maybe he just never checked it out or something because like, after that season, he was on every single episode. Yeah, he every, is, yes. Right. Yeah, every Confirmed episode. Confirmed, he, he is now on every episode. Yeah, ev- every episode awesome. he'll basically every episode he, he will basically show up and be like Tim Gunn from Project Runway and in yes. Project Runway and just walk through and just like and give them critiques and just be like and just basically just be like make it work and just walk away and you're just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I agree. I saw that. Uh... I noticed that too in a different episode. Uh, the the fact that they actually pump real stuff, which is like you don't have to do that, and that's really cool that they do. Yeah, like they could have made it just a um, you know, solid an opaque tube or white tube, and it would you know, be, or even you know, an opaque any other color tube, and just say this is the tube that you know from which we pump the white. Um, right. But no, it's like it's a clear tube. They're pumping white stuff through it. Cool. Yeah. Goodness, I dream of yeah. that shit. Yeah, and then, and the Jem'Hadar, I don't think we ever talked about, but I think they're some of the best makeup uh, creatures mm. yeah, in a long like, time. I they, love they're them. impressive. It's like super impressive. All right. Well, that will do it for our episode. Next week, we'll be discussing the uh, follow-up to this episode, as well as another one. So that'll be Season 5, Episode 15 and 16, which are by Inferno's Light and Dr. Bashir, I presume. As always, it has a question. I have to say it like a, like that. They make me. It's like uh, yes. it's like the movie, the movie coming out, mother, because that has an exclamation. Oh, that's so you have true. To say it like that. It's not mother. It's mother. <laughs> All right. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at cbdn underscore meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at tuscanshed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 uh, signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.